0: Hello everyone, this is Mark Vina with more insights and strategy. Today is Monday, June 24th, 2019. Um, We've got a great podcast in store for all of you uh, today. Um, You know, one of the great things about um, doing the type of work that I do is I get a chance to travel quite a bit and bump into some very interesting people. And on today's podcast, I'm very, very fortunate to be speaking with uh, Andrea Smith, who. Probably doesn't need any introduction because you probably know her. Uh, she's been with ABC. She's got a very rich background in the uh, tech uh, reporting um, uh, uh, industry, and uh, she was delightful um, uh, when I met her. About uh, I think it was Andrea it was about two months ago. We were at uh, we had dinner together at that IFA event, that global press conference event, in that really exotic. Um, I think it was a church or a cathedral, if I recall, in Spain. Um, yeah,
1: I think it was a monastery or something, and, and we were squished up against the wall because there were yes. so many people there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, I was squished up against you, and I really, wanted to, I really wanted to change seats, but they would not let me change seats. But in any event, uh, let's talk a bit about your background, you know, what you've been doing. I mean, I know people have certainly seen you because you spent so much time at ABC, but you've done a lot of other things beyond that. So let's talk a little bit about your background.
1: Oh Well, first, thanks for having me on. It's, it's a real pleasure, and I so enjoyed uh, traveling with you and meeting you at the, uh, at the EPA Global Press Conference. Um, so I was at ABC. As you said, I actually started my career at ABC, at ABC Radio, uh, right out of college because I was a newspaper major, and they said to go home and work for your local paper and being born and raised in Manhattan. Um, the New York Times just didn't want me for some reason.
0: That's shocking. <laughs> so, I can't believe it. I can't believe that. You know, so and, and, I, and let me just interject one thing. I did not know the um, the newspaper component of your background because I was the editor of my um, uh, high school newspaper. I think we talked about this at Bergen Catholic, where yes. I went to high school. And then I became the entertainment editor at the um, – the Boston College uh, newspaper, and that was a, that was a memorable experience. But it's interesting we have that in common in our backgrounds. But, Which completely but we,
1: prepared you for life in tech between uh, you know, writing and entertainment.
0: <laughs> absolutely, a hundred percent agree. Yeah.
1: So I learned broadcast pretty quickly, and um, I was a news producer and a breaking news producer uh, for network news that you would hear all over the country. And um, about fifteen years in, maybe ten years in this technology thing started happening right Mm -hmm. you know like AT&T started coming out with their monthly plan for for getting online and AOL came out right and I somehow convinced my bosses that we needed to do a technology broadcast and they finally said to me fine Mm -hmm. if you think we need to do it do it once a day Mm -hmm. one minute a day
0: do it <laughs> one minute we'll give you one, one minute,
1: minute. <laughs> you tell the whole story of the day's tech in one minute and <laughs> so I did it was called cyber shake it was the world's worst name for a tech broadcast but you know they gave <laughs> it to me so I had to take it and um, one of my first interviews that year was with a guy I had never heard of he was you know launching a new company as everybody was in the late 80s and uh, his name was Jeff Bezos
0: don't know him. Uh, I, I've never heard of that name. I mean, <laughs> he does, was does, talking does about, about
1: the world's largest bookstore, and I was like, "Really, really, <laughs> dude." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the rest is history.
0: Well, that's no. It's it's really amazing how you know you go back in those days in the, in the uh, late '80s, early '90s, when you know the high tech. Even though the personal computer was out for about eight or nine years, when you roll into the early um, uh, '90s, um, it was still very much a um, a uh, a difficult topic for most mainstream consumers to wrap their head around, and I, you know, I think you and other you know um, journalists like Walt Mossberg, Walt, Walt, Walt obviously well known for kind of bridging that gap and you know trying to make technology uh, accessible to people, because it's still very it's still a very, very, much a, a formidable topic for many consumers. I mean, and today, I mean, back then in the day, in the early 90s, you know, you had personal computers. That was the big thing, you know, and obviously that, that unleashed a lot of the things that we have at our disposal today from a smart home technology standpoint and smartphones, and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, folks like yourself, frankly, are needed now more than ever because there's just so much stuff out there. You know, and with the rise of startups and, you know, things out there, and you, you know, I've talked about this before, you know, we you, uh, you very frequently meet companies where you look at the product and you say, you know, that's a product looking for a problem to solve versus exactly. a, you know, and, it, and it's frustrating because a lot of these people are very sincere and the solutions might be interesting, but, you know, many of the tech companies, especially in the Valley, you know, are started by... Um, Are started by um, uh, engineers and business types that don't really have a consumer bent, and they think that you know the uh, product out there is kind of uh, you know it's almost that field of dreams uh, um, phenomenon. When oh if this is really great and cool, someone will figure out how to you know why it's useful. So I'm sure they'll buy me. Yes, (laughs) exactly. <laughs> That's actually happens quite a bit as well, yeah. and then the 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 founders run away with all that money and the technology, <laughs> and the technology goes away. So, in any event, um, you know, you've uh, you know the question I like to ask um, you know people like yourself, Andrea, is that you know you have like myself, you have a lot of uh, you quite a few followers, you have friends, family, and I'm sure they're always pinging you on what what I should buy, what I should be on the lookout for. Um, you know what kind of you know what kind of inside um, uh, you know information can I get when I'm looking at a technology purchase? What are the type of questions that you're getting? You know, uh, you know, over the last uh, few months, I'll just confine into a, uh, to a to the last few months because that can be a very long conversation. But right. what, are, what are, But but what what are you hearing from your friends and family and you know other associates?
1: You know, it's funny because, of course, I, as you are too, I'm sure, the one that people go to, you know, what kind of laptop should I buy? What do I get my kid for school? And on my own podcast, Parenting Bites, we always talk about the kinds of tech that kids need at every age. But what I'm hearing now from people um, a little bit older is they're finally understanding all this. They're embracing technology. It's not going away. And they're realizing that, yeah, you know, there are things that can make my life a little bit more efficient, a little bit more streamlined. So a lot of it is smart home and voice technology, mm-hmm. um, where people last year were just, no way, I'm not getting an Amazon Echo device, I'm not gonna say the name, because she'll start talking. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> or,
0: uh, so I did I did a smart thing, I unplugged <laughs> mine before we got on, because it goes off in the middle of a podcast, you know, your credibility yeah, goes out the window. To do that.
1: <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people, uh, want to get started with a dot, with a Google assistant and just mm-hmm. kind of get the sense of what's the Yankee score, what's the weather. Uh, and maybe if they have some smart home devices, um, you know, lock the front door, turn on my lights. And it's something that I think you and I take for granted. I mean, I have a smart home and, and I've been talking to her for, for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am one of those people who gets into bed and says, turn off the master bedroom <laughs> fan, or is my front door unlocked? But, but right. most people don't, and we forget that. So that's what people are asking me about. How can I incorporate this smart home thing and this voice technology into my life in a way that's not too invasive, but that makes my life easier?
0: Right. And you know what's fascinating about that? because I have a follow-up question for you, is that the, you know, the digital assistant, you know, call it the Alexa, you know, smart speaker category, and Alexa, obviously, uh, uh, and the Echo and Dot are not the only products out there. The the product, that category has been flooded with products from uh, from Amazon, of course, with Google, Google has their own approach, Siri to a lesser extent. and you know that the, the, that category has exploded, and then I forget the the, the exact market number, but by two thousand and twenty two you know i I really believe that you know eighty five ninety percent of American homes just in the United States will have some type of digital assistant device but despite all that, and here's where the contradiction is, and i'm sure you hear this from your um from your friends and uh, friends and associates, is that there are still concerns about privacy, right? Because you, at the end of the day, you have this thing in your house that's always listening uh, to for that um, activation word. Is that are you hearing the the, the privacy um, concern to be um, a major one for most consumers, or because they're continuing to buy these products, it hasn't slowed them down for buying them? But they do they tend to you know at least for my my associates, you always hear that. Well, if I buy this. You know, is Big Brother listening? So, what are you hearing?
1: That is the top concern I hear is privacy. In fact, I just did a um, I, I did a a talk, a workshop at a conference uh, on uh, called the realities of aging, and it was to a like a I would say a fifty-five to seventy-year-old population. Mm-hmm. And I did a workshop uh, and talked a bit about voice technology, and it was the number one concern. I don't want anyone listening to my conversation, even if I'm not saying anything or doing anything, privacy is it, even if it means it would make, you know, especially for older people living alone, Mm -hmm. um, gosh, the benefits of that, right? privacy is number one now unfortunately my answer as a cynical journalist is honey if you use google and if you shop online your privacy's borked anyway sorry <laughs> you know, they know everything about you and yeah mm-hmm. there's some stories of you know these devices listening but i don't think it's done in a malicious way i really think it's done you know obviously to, to learn and to improve the technology is there you know the possibility that a hacker could get this apps you know yes you can't discount that but yeah that is the number one concern
0: well you know what's interesting about that is that uh i think it was the verge that a story i think it was yesterday about um uh, samsung smart tvs is that even samsung wanted samsung um, they did a. Um, they did. A, they didn't do a formal press release. They they did a, um, a kind of a social media post, you know. Uh, you know, kind of uh, detailing that their smart TVs could be hacked. You know, yeah. I mean. So I mean, you know, and it's funny because I, I consult and guide a number of different. Uh, security related firms in the in the valley and uh, you know I think one of the things that consumers really should care about and we could probably talk about this for a few minutes because there's so many different smart devices in the home I mean the average home today has 10 15 you know even upwards of 20 25 devices are connected in some way to your router and those are all ports of entry for a malicious actor you know And, and and a lot of the router companies out there you know, they don't do security, re- they're really good at, at, at router technology in terms of trying to maximize the bandwidth and the coverage in your home, but there's not many companies, uh, and I, there's probably a couple of exceptions like Plume and a few others that do a pretty good job of of, of um, protecting you from an IOT, um, um, from a malicious attack. But more and more people should spend, uh, I think, time focusing on what's that router, because you know, the router is like the front door to your digital home, and if you can get through that. You know you can do a lot of bad things
1: sure and a lot of people you know their router their password is exactly what's written on the router right? they have no idea that they, you know I'll go to someone's house and say hey can I help on your Wi-Fi what's the password oh I don't know let me look and they literally get you know on their stomach underneath to try to look at the router and I'm like first of all that should be way up high not on the floor and right. second of all let's please change your password okay um, but but that is the entry of course and people don't realize that and then you have companies like um uh, Eero, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. they make a great router. They do provide uh, security and, and anti-hacking security, but it's an extra cost. Right. So how many, you know, people don't want to pay more money. They, they yes. figure, God, I paid $300 for this router. I don't want to pay more money or however much it is.
0: No, you know, I had that exact same conversation with um, uh, with with uh, uh, some folks at Semantic, which is obviously one of the big leaders in antivirus software. And they have a, a great uh, product called Norton Core, which is a great you know mm-hmm. a router with extra protection and to your point about that is when you charge someone for security that's like buying a car and you've got to pay someone extra for seatbelts oh you want seatbelts <laughs> i mean would exactly. you ever buy would you ever buy a car without seatbelts i mean airbags you know all, every car today comes with airbags but there was a time you know 25 years ago when airbags were special but i think people are getting acclimated to the view that hey if i'm going to buy a router and spend a few hundred dollars it better have built in Um, You know, uh, embedded uh, security technology to it, and I shouldn't have to pay extra for it.
1: Yeah, and to your point, I mean, if you look at cars today, right, it's the safety features, it's the things that people want that are costing mm-hmm. co- costing extra right right it's their standard now and as each year passes you know they become more standard as the new technology comes out but i don't know maybe that's what happened with boeing when they put in their safety sensors
0: <laughs> <laughs> you had a poor, dragon boeing that poor company you know <laughs> i'm not going to say the wrong i don't yeah. my heart my heart is not that sympathetic for uh, for Boeing because obviously they uh, when, I, when I you know it's funny when I hear software upgrade, I'm thinking do they have to do they reboot the plane? is the cockpit <laughs> is there control alternate delete somewhere in the cockpit where you have to rebo- reboot reboot the flight computer? Alt,
1: eject
0: exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly but but interesting enough, um you know the, the privacy issue um, was on front you know front and center stage. At the Apple's WWDC a few weeks ago, and you know they made a big, you know, to Apple's credit, you know they made a big, big, big deal. They they have been making a big deal, but it's not not, not totally new. But the new iOS 12 Catalina, the new operating system mm-hmm. that uh, Apple's been announced, uh, that Apple's um, will be announcing, uh, will re- be releasing in the fall, that has a tremendous amount of privacy technology and capability uh, kind of built into it. And I, you know, personally, I, you know, I tend to be a bit of a skeptic. And then I, I know the reason why they're doing it. They obviously they have, they do care about uh, consumers. I'm convinced of that. But they're not doing it for, for completely for humanitarian reasons because I think they want to throw the gauntlet down at Google. You know, because it's it's much more challenging for Google to do it because for them to you know, provide the same level of privacy technology has a direct impact on Google's um, advertising capability. Because remember, the, 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 when metadata becomes less a- accurate and more ambiguous, the, 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 uh, the value of that data to an advertiser gets less and less. And Apple, of course, has, you know... Um, you know, one of their big benefits is that they have tremendously, they have margins that, you know, the big PC guys would die to have, you know, in terms of um, profitability. So they can be a bit more um, aggressive from a privacy standpoint. But, you know, what are your thoughts on sure. the, the WDC DC announcement as it relates to privacy and some of the other things that you heard that you, that you took away from that event?
1: Well, I thought the same thing, interestingly, you know, when they announced the sign-in with Apple feature, which I think is so interesting. uh, My first thought was, well, you know, they're really going against Google and Facebook here, right? Because that's one of the things that they call out Facebook for their lack of privacy. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I agree with you about throwing down the gauntlet. I I find the whole idea of signing in with Apple and then not having that... um, App or whatever it is know your email address yes right?
0: I, yes yes
1: to create a fake email address that forwards to your email I mean I think it'll be a little confusing for the consumer at first or you know for the not very tech I hate the word tech savvy but tech knowledgeable Consumer maybe not understand that you know it's a fake email. You know they can disable it and use their email if they want to. But it's really a way to hide behind something, and yes. so you're not marketed to, so people don't have your information. I'm really excited to see this come out and see what happens.
0: No, I I think that's going to be a big deal because you know the, the I think the phenomenon, and I and God knows I'm I have the same problem is when you see that that latest hot hot app that you want to download and you don't want to go through the, the rigmarole of setting up an account. You know, most of these apps are set up in such a way that, oh, you can log on with LinkedIn or Facebook, um, and people, you know, blow past that because they want to get to work using the app as quickly as possible, but, when you, you know, when you sign on with LinkedIn or you sign on with Facebook or some other type of social media um, app, um, uh, credentials, you know, you're really giving away the keys to the kingdom because they want your email address. For uh, for post marketing activity, and I think it's it's brilliant on Apple's part, frankly, to to do that kind of um, disguise um, capability because um, you know God knows that you know, how many apps have you downloaded in your way? You know, oh, it's, it's not it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. I'll, let me delete the app, but once you delete the app, you haven't gone away. If you've logged on with Facebook or Twitter, they've got your your credentials, and they'll use that for all kinds of you know presumably hopefully, you know, um, legal reasons, but they can do all kinds of bad things once they get that information.
1: Marketing, so, you know, I mean, how many, oh my God, how many of those, you know, emails do you get every day that you have to unsubscribe from? And it says, exactly. you're getting this because you subscribe to Yetza Front's. So, you know, to not have your email given out in that way, I think it's going to make a huge difference.
0: Right. So the, I think the privacy thing was a big deal. The other thing that I'm sure you have an opinion on is... Um, and I'm excited to see this because Apple has been kind of marching in this direction for some time, is this announcement of iPad OS, which is kind of a superset of uh, iOS, and this whole notion that, you know, let's add more, you know, desktop operating system-like capabilities to a mobile operating system like the iPad to take advantage of the the additional real estate, like multitasking and windowing. And, you know, um, now iPad OS will now have support for... um, Thumb drives. You know, Apple's becoming more knowledgeable. The fact that people want to use that tablet is uh, a tablet is more of a productivity device, uh, in addition to being using it as a great um, consumption device. But what are your thoughts on that? In terms of that being ultimately a replacement for a notebook, a notebook PC. I
1: I was so excited about the thumb drive. I was like. You know, I actually don't have an updated uh, iPad just because I I really have not found a way to replace a laptop, to to use it as a laptop replacement. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even with a a, a Bluetooth keyboard, it's just not comfortable for me. You know, I don't like the screen. Having that thumb drive, I think, makes such a huge difference, even with the cloud, even with being able to upload things, files to Dropbox and, and OneDrive and everything else that you can download. Uh, that makes a huge difference, and I think just given all the specs that they talk through, that that um, you know we're going to be seeing in that, um, I think I think that 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 it's an interesting move for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like yourself, you know, I I travel and I it just drives me crazy. I travel with both a laptop, a Windows laptop, and an iPad, and then I use the iPad exclusively for. Um, you know catching up on the news you know c- again consuming media in some way shape or form and listening to music and I use my laptop for productivity reasons like um, you know sending out long emails I mean typing on a on a laptop, obviously, is as is, 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 is wonderful as touchscreens are, as you know. Unless you have a keyboard cover with some type of keyboard built, um, you know, designed for the uh, for a tablet like the iPad, you know, you're not going to write the great American novel, you know, with even some of the better um, case covers with 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 a keyboard. I, you know, yearn for the day where I could leave my laptop home and just use that an iPad for everything. You know, yeah. I really, you know.
1: Yeah. And I also think, I mean, again, you know, I haven't tried it, but as they, if you can really use gestures for the copy and paste on the iPad, Mm -hmm. that's going to make a big difference for me personally, Mm -hmm. because that's one thing that, you know, that slows me down. And so if the gestures work the way they're supposed to, and also the swipe typing, Mm -hmm. um, it might make it a lot easier to use the iPad as, you know, a writing device.
0: Right. Right. Well and you know the other two biggies is that they announced mouse support go figure you never uh, you, I thought I'd never see the day when you you oh, yeah. use, uh, use a mouse now I have seen some of the reports that it's going to be a little bit primitive you can't change the size of the pointer which makes it a little bit uh, difficult we'll see what you know what eventually comes out when they fo- formally release iOS 13 and, and the new iPad OS uh but the other interesting thing about what they what they announced as well is, you know, the ability to um, do um, multitasking in a really fundamental way where you can have three or four things going on at the same time. And, you know, you don't have to do, you know, you have, don't have to minimize all the windows and go to a particular application. So I'm looking forward to being able to do that because, you know, my big deal, you know, my test for a, a productivity system is the PowerPoint test, not editing a PowerPoint on a tablet. That's fairly easy to do. If I have to change a word or a small... Uh, object on the screen of, of an existing PowerPoint presentation that's fairly straightforward to do but you know creating a brand new a PowerPoint presentation on a tablet has always been very very frustrating for me so um, if they say so, yeah so if they so if they solve that problem and 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 I guess the other thing that might be interesting is that if they do solve all these issues and make it much more appealing just to have a tablet instead of a notebook um you know people i think more people will buy will step up and buy that ipad pro the 12 inch uh, version which is very mm-hmm. big you know it's a, it's a big thing to use on your lap but if it's only a single device that i can travel with you know it's a net net gain
1: yeah and Thank you me. know speaking uh, going back to privacy for a second one of the things in ios 13 um, that i thought was interesting because it really trips people up a lot is um, sharing location in apps, right? You you have to keep saying, um, you know, you have to say yes all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think they said that you can share your location, but it's a one time um, way to share and then it'll have to request the access again if it wants to access it in the future, which I think helps with privacy a little bit because a lot of people don't realize that they're sharing their location with like almost every app that they have.
0: Right. Right, you know, and you know, and, well, and, and, and frankly, you know, you know, the, it, it happened to me the other day. I was walking through uh, the uh, mall out here, out in San Jose, and I kid you not, I wa- as I was walking across the app, uh, uh, you know, past the Apple Store, um, I got an alert on both on my Apple Watch and on my phone that hey, by the way, ten feet away, you know, is an Apple Store. You know, and that's because I haven't opted out. You know, I, right. and I certainly could, could do that, but it doesn't happen by magic, like you said. When they, you know, with um, GPS functionality, they know exactly where you are from a tracking standpoint. And and frankly, I think Apple will, are, is going to do a much better job of trying to tamp down on um, location capability, where you really have to, ha- you know, in a very explicit way, you have to opt into it, so you're not being tracked wherever you go. You know, because yeah,
1: I think it's a really big, if they do it right and explain it and help people learn how to use it, I think this is something that that might make people say, I'm going to stick with iPhone, I'm going to stay with Apple because they care about my privacy, Mm -hmm. or more so than, than Google and Facebook do. Sure. Well, you know,
0: the last couple of topics I want to hit, because we have a f- just a few minutes left here, um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of in the gaming arena. You know, Microsoft had a big announcement last week. I was at the E3 event where they announced um, uh, um, Project Scarlet. I love the name, Project Scarlet, uh, which is their next generation um, Xbox uh, with specs that are absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know, for, um, you know, a more profound, immersive g- gaming experience on even AK TVs. You know, not that many people are buying AK, not many people are buying AK TVs, but it'll be, <laughs> be ready for AK when that starts to roll out. And then, of course, you've got uh, Google that announced their Stadia plans a few months ago, and that's going to be kind of a cloud-based gaming experience. What are you hearing, when, you know, when it comes to gaming? I mean, do you get a lot of inquiries from, um, your, fo- uh, from your followers? On you know gaming? not many
1: no not many on gaming but um the, the the what I've been hearing mostly is I think that it's really the hardcore gamers that are very excited about um cloud gaming coming in the future that the, the uh, Stadia as you talked about um but console gaming I mean oh gosh I think my son had the first PlayStation when he was five years old you mm-hmm. know the, the the disc that that solid state hard drive that Scarlett is talking about for storage. Um, you know, I think that people want the disk. They don't want, they're worried about latency. Right. They're worried mm-hmm. about video. They're worried about, you know, how all of this is going to, why would you choose cloud over native, you know, if you're not really in optimum condition. So Microsoft, I think, is betting on, you uh, disc-based gaming being around for the near future you know mm-hmm. maybe not the, the the far out future in fact that that deal with sony that they announced yep um on a, on a cloud gaming but i think that for now most people are still in console mode
0: yes well i mean i think there's a great debate going on right now in the gaming community about you know which salute you know which um, approach is going to serve the gamer best. I mean, I, you know, having been you know one of the, the guys who um, announced the XPS brand at Dell, which was Dell Dell's first foray into PC gaming, and then I went down to Alienware for a, a couple of years and, and, and oversaw their marketing team. You know, I, I I you know come at you know gaming in a very robust you know hardware. You know, hardware is the way to get to a best a, a create immersive gaming experience, and then you've got now. And consoles, of course, you know, have gotten much more powerful over time as well. And then, then you've got the Google Stadia approach, which is approaching things in a very cloud-based type of way. And I think there's still a bit of skepticism on two fronts. I mean, one piece of skepticism is: can you really have the same type of gaming experience that you can have with a local console or with a local, um, you know, PC? for really great uh, immersive gaming and can you overcome that latency challenge that you uh, talked about so I think you know Google claims that they they can do that because of their you know their server their server farms and the way they're optimizing the technology you know you've got um, you know the other challenge in that category is that Google's very much playing uh, catch-up from a number of titles I mean they, they you know they, I think they've only announced 25 or 30 titles that will be available when uh, study gets released versus the hundreds of titles that are available on you know either on xbox or playstation or or in the pc game arena so it's going to be very interesting i don't you know to me I, it's hard for me to make a judgment i've seen some impressive demos with stadia but until you know you know the proof is going to be in the pudding frankly yeah and i think um, what you say
1: is i think it's about the games right if there's certain games that you're a hardcore you know fan of that game you're going where that game is and right in the best possible way that you can play that game
0: Well, and and the only thing I will say as we kind of conclude this is that, um, you know, spending three days uh, in Los Angeles at E3, A, I'm surprised my hearing has recovered, you know, from walking. (laughs) You know, that's number one. I should have had my Bose noise cancellation headphones with me walking the show floor. But the other thing, and I'm sure that, you know, you can absolutely, um, you're sympathetic to this, is that the quality of the games, Andrea, are getting so incredibly immersive and we're not even talking about AR and VR yet. That's going to be, you know, not in the not in the not too distant future. But you know, the the the, the games that I saw on display are so realistic and so immersive um, that you know I think uh, you know parents have to be very careful. About guiding their their children in terms, you know, you, you know, you want to know where your kids are at night after you know after 10 o'clock. My parents used to say nothing hap- nothing good happens after 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> right. My I had parents that that believe, and by the way, I think they were right. But you know, the gaming thing, you know, I I'm not and I'm not so so much focused on the violence in gamings like Grand Theft Auto, which is you know still an unbelievable title. But you know, the the games are so. Fantasy based, and that you, you know you have to be really careful, frankly, in terms of knowing what games your kids are playing. You know, it used to be I want to know what my kids are listening to from a music standpoint. I think that argument applies to uh, the to games as well. From a, fan- no, we, talk, from a pro- we
1: talk about that all the time. I can't tell you how many parents don't even know like there's an ESRB rating. You know, that yes. video games are rated the same way movies are rated. They mm-hmm. have no clue. Right. That is, and. The kids who are playing online games, I mean, I remember coming home and my son was talking to someone in his room and, who are you talking to? Oh, I don't know. This guy thinks he lives in Amsterdam. What? You know, Parents (laughs) have no idea that their kids are are playing online with people they don't know.
0: Right. No, and, and not only that, I mean, it's not just about playing the game. All of these games have chat capability and, you know, once you become... You know, quote, quote. I'm using air quotes. Once you become a friend with someone that you're playing a game with that you don't know, that's either out of state or potentially in um, uh, in some type of exotic international location, um, and you begin chatting with them, that yeah, you know, that that kind of creeps me out a bit. So, mm-hmm. pa- parent, and to your point. You know, parents have to do a much better job of keeping an eye not on just what they're listening to from a music standpoint, but under, a, understanding the rating. And that as you said, there, there's been a rating system in place for many years on games. But I don't even think most parents know what games you're playing, you know, frankly, no. you no. know, which which is a scary thing. But, uh, Audrey, this has been fantastic. We need to do this again. So thank you for uh, participating in today's podcast. How do we follow you on social media? How can we how can someone get a hold of you?
1: Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Andrea Smith. Great. That's a good way to go. Um, I do have a website. I have to say it's not uh, as current as I'd like, but it's um, andreasmithtech.com.
0: Great.
1: And yeah, Twitter is probably the best way. And thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: No, it was a lot of fun, Andrea. So really, thanks for participating. And I want to thank the entire More Insights audience for listening to today's podcast Uh, Please follow us on our usual suspect social media partners, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And until next time, have a great week.